Hey everybody, this is Sam with National Sports Overtime and West Virginia Overtime. Putting this up on both podcast feeds because I can and because I think it is pertinent. Why? I think it should be on the National Sports Overtime pod feed because... I don't know how many times I have been sitting on my couch or been sitting in a seat in an arena where I have wanted to go down and literally take a pro basketball player and shake them or even a college basketball player and just shake them. Now, I'm putting this on West Virginia overtime to make a point to people, whether it be fans, whether it be parents, or coaches, about layups. And that's going to be our topic. For those of you who have been stopping by the OvertimeNetwork.com, you've probably already seen this article. I've had it up now, I think, a couple days. Um, probably almost a week now. About basketball. And how layups are key to a lot of games. And this topic kind of came up. I get a daily email from Coach Mike. And he's a coach that coaches in Australia. He specializes a lot in youth league basketball. Midget league. Um, a lot of his stuff are about time savers, how to practice when you only have a half of a court to practice on because there's another team on the other half. Um, he does talk about topics that come up, though, in the NBA or college that's hitting what I assume is just the national radar, but he hears about him in Australia, and they're always interesting. And he talked about, in this particular email, the title of his email was, Successful Teams Make This Shot Nine percent more now when I saw that title I thought yeah I gotta open this immediately I want to I want to see what this is and and how he describes free throw shooting because that was my first thought it wasn't a layup and see when you think about it How much time does your favorite team practice layups? No, I'm being serious. And some of you coaches that are listening to this, you are probably laughing. Especially the wannabe coaches. But having coached middle school's girls basketball and have been... um, 
and assistant coach for a boys basketball team at the high school level. I can tell you how frustrating it is to be in a close game and miss a layup. And you're thinking, how did you miss that? And if you're like me and you keep your practice plans and you flip through them for the last week, two weeks, three weeks, and you see how much time you didn't spend on them. Because I encourage you guys with your practice plans, any coaches out there, whether you're midget league up, you need to make a practice plan detailing what you're going to do, how it's to be done, how long you're going to spend on it, And when it doesn't go as planned, you need to note that on your practice plan. You need to note why it didn't go, or that you need to explore it, or you need to change it. Maybe they've accomplished one skill. You need to note that so that you can move on to the next. So there should be written notes from you on your practice plans. Now, I know some coaches are lucky enough to have a manager that kind of follows them around and can write down what they say so that they don't miss anything. But immediately, you probably do practice layups. But how many times do we really practice layups Anytime else. Do we put an emphasis on them? Because I've been to a lot of coaches' practices. I've attended, especially in the last year and a half, two years, a lot of coaches' webinars or their um, video conferences. A couple coaches have been able to put their practice live on the net um, or have showed a tape of their practice where they break down why they do what they do. Seems like there's a lot of emphasis, especially the younger the player is, in shooting the three. And, you know, maybe we need to spend a little bit more time on layups. And I hate to date myself, but when I was coming up through and learning basketball, we broke down layups constantly, every season. How you start your dribble. When when do you do a running continuous layup? When do you do um, a European kind of step layup? When do you do a jump stop layup? And we practiced all those. And we practiced them coming off the dribble, coming off the pass. We practiced um, really knowing when to use them. Um how to come off taking the ball between your legs to do a layup or from behind your back. And we were told 
practice your three-pointers in your spare time. Now, a lot of people are probably thinking, well, why would they tell you to do that? Because they were more focused on us getting open, us uh, getting in the right position, getting ready for a pass to get our shot off, than to actually give us game reps. Why? Because there were 12 to 15 of us. We only had a certain amount of time, so it made sense to our coaches. They can do one-on-one shooting after practice, before practice. They can do it at home. They can do all kinds of different things. We need to work on our team when we're together. Seems like now when I go to practices around in the area where I live, in the state I live, or when I see people put up different practice film, they're working on shooting three and getting open. And so it was real surprising when I opened this email and found out that in 2018, During that season, Huddle Assist, which a lot of people use to break down their stats, they took a sample, I guess, of 10,000 high school basketball games. And they tried to create a performance report that shared the exact statistics that they felt impacted winning or losing. And Coach Mike in this email said that he felt like this was a treasure trove of information, especially for a newer or younger coach. Because you think you've discovered something and it's been used for years. You usually aren't doing something new. It's just went through its cycle and now something else has caught on. Well, I I guess I'm the epitome of that. Um, I decided at the age of 13 that I wanted to coach. And even though, obviously, I was still playing, still learning the game, I really wanted to learn how to break it down. I stayed after to talk to different coaches at my high school. Um, Luckily, I went to high school where one of my state's um, active winningness boys basketball coaches, coaches. And I got to learn from him a lot of breakdown. Very, very thankful that he allowed me to do that. He allowed me to question him. He allowed me to say, I don't understand. Can you say that differently? Um... He taught me how to teach and how to coach. 
And believe me, there's a difference. And so, he taught me a specific defense. He is one of the old school type coaches, which I agree with now after coaching. You teach one defense, and you get really good at that one defense. You don't teach five. Because you'll never get very good at any of them. Well, I graduated high school, went to college, and ended up on his coaching staff at 19 years old. Got to be a part of the coaches' meetings, which I did in high school some, the ones he would allow me at. But as his assistant coach, I was allowed at all assistant coaches or all coaching meetings. I was allowed to um, be assistant coach for the JV team also. I could go to freshman practices if I wanted to. I could attend all their meetings. I was giving an open door type key to different people that thought about different things in basketball at my old high school. So, my first job was at 19 years old. I became the head coach of a middle school team. Yes, that's right. I was a head coach at 19 years old. There, I attempted to do exactly what my high school boys basketball coach said not to do. I ended up teaching four or five different defenses because I wanted to switch them. I felt at the time that I was uncovering something new. Um... We had terminology where we would show a 2-3, like a football team. And then on the second pass, we'd switch into something else, like man. We'd show a 1-3-1 on the first pass or second pass or third pass or whatever. We would go into a 2-3. And we did that with presses, with different looks on defense, so that they would read that we were in this defense, but on a certain pass, we would switch. My high school boys basketball coach, who I was a member of his coaching staff also, came and I came out of the locker room and immediately walked over to him. His first words were, good job, I'm proud of you for having the guts to try your own thing. Your defense is awful, though. 
I don't know why you're doing what you're doing. But we're going to talk about it tomorrow. And then he proceeded to talk about other parts of the game. And my demeanor, my behavior, how I spoke to the kids, what it looked like, things like that. And we did have that discussion the next day. And the next season, I played one defense and have played one defense ever since. So, that's what I mean. A lot of young coaches or new coaches think, oh my gosh, I've discovered something new or I've invented something new. Well, no. The very next day, my coach proceeded to show me books that were written 20 years ago. He showed me one that was written 40 years ago. That this wasn't a brand new idea that I had thought up at 19 years old, but had been tried by numerous people at varying degrees of success. But almost all of them won their first two years, but progressively went down every year after by a certain percentage as more and more coaches learned what they were doing. So, teaching layups or teaching the importance of layups, you don't have to come up with different things. You just need to be consistent and you need to actually work on it. Because Huddle Assist looked at 10,000 different games and they cited that the differences between kids in high school, the winning teams were about 53% and losing teams are about 44%. I have the exact statistics in the article. And when you think about it in middle school or youth leagues, layups can be reason why you win or lose. And there's a lot of high school teams out there that shoot only three. And they can be beat by a team that is shooting layups that don't get back very easily. What we need to work on is fans, parents, coaches, and players, if you're listening to this, quit doing layup lines. Layup lines are done in the NBA or college and should be done in high school and middle school to warm up, to get loose. A lot of times, though, when you go to middle school, high school games, actually, even when you go to college or NBA games, 
Layup line is time to goof, goof off, spin around, throw shots up. And you need to be focused on actually warming up, making your shots. Because think about it. Any eight-year-old in midget league can look good in a layup line, making an uncontested layup. But you need to ask yourself, can the 18-year-old senior make a tightly contested layup in the rival's gym with less than a minute left? So when you're working on layups, you're doing it in one-on-one situations, three-on-three small small side game situations, and you're going to practice like you play. You're just going to have the rule, no shots, but a layup, which is going to make them be contested. Because the defense doesn't want you making your goal. Players have to get used to pressure. So, as fans, as parents, as um, coaches, we need to put pressure on them so that they'll be able to finish their layups when defenders are bumping and banging them and sometimes fouling them. But that's the thing. We don't want to put pressure on kids anymore. And I think that's to a detriment. See, a lot of adults that I know gripe and complain about the NBA. They don't like the flopping. Yes, I'm doing finger quotes. But they really don't. They don't like flopping. They don't like um, American basketball players pulling that kind of stuff. We saw in this past summer's Olympics, they don't call it. Officials just don't call that. And you get burned. Because you're laying on the floor and your man that is uh, on offense is going around you. Um, Whining and complaining doesn't work. So, you need to start telling our future pros, whether you're a fan, you're a parent, or you're a coach, in midget league and up, make your layups. I don't care that they hit you. What if the referee doesn't call it? Who cares? You're still supposed to make your shot. But sometimes... We forget about the opposite side because we're concentrating so much on offense. Think about it. When you hear 
coaches and teams and parents and fans sitting up in the stands. What is what are they talking about seventy five percent of the time? Offense. And so I think sitting down with kids, watching the NBA, watching college basketball, is very important that we're not getting excited about the dunks, that we're pointing out to them stuff about defense, about how they're doing their footwork correctly when they're sliding along defensively, they're not crossing their feet. Their step in order to cross over and box somebody out, making contact, rotating correctly, helping a teammate out and then recovering back correctly, talking to each other. I love pointing that out. Um, I love nothing better to set with a younger kid, someone under the age of 18. And if you can do it in a live basketball game, they usually get it better. But it is exciting to watch it on TV. If you can point out where a team is talking to each other, see that turn of the head and them saying something. Because that's what you want to do. You get better by learning the little things. So many people say, oh, don't sweat the small stuff. In games like basketball, if you don't sweat the little things, a lot of times the big big things never even get a chance to happen. Think about it. Every team, at one time or another, probably has come down to the wire, less than 30 seconds left. They're either up by one or two, or they're down by one or two. And it comes down to sweating the small stuff. See... That game winner shot, that buzzer beater that barely makes it off in time, that's a big thing. But when you think about it, that person getting open, (coughs) excuse me, that player coming off that screen, if He does not set his man up, come off that screen, hip to hip, and shoulder to shoulder, with his hands up giving a target, ready to catch the ball, that ball handler, not getting their heads up, seeing the whole floor, seeing that that guy's coming off the screen perfectly and giving him a target, saying that he's open, all those little things they don't ever have a chance to make a big thing happen so it's extremely extremely (coughs) 
important that we're not practicing with orange cones out on the floor, having them to dribble around them, garbage cans, having them <coughs> dribble tennis balls, having them dribble other objects or go around or play around with objects that can't move, that don't make any sense. Don't make the game of basketball any harder than what it already is. Just play against live defense. Work on both of them at the same time. If you're on offense, work on your offense. If you're on defense, work on your defense. And if you are a coach, whether you're midget league or not, whether you're up or not, have one coach concentrating on offense and then one working with the defense. And then as a head coach or as the lead assistant of this drill, stand back and watch the big picture. How things are going. Layups do matter in the game of basketball. But I think too many times we're not practicing them correctly. We're doing layup lines at the beginning of the practice and then calling it good. And then wondering why in games when somebody's guarding them, when they have to move, when they have to pull off a move, <coughs> excuse me, they have a def defensive player bumping and banging them or fouling them, they can't make the shot. Maybe we need to put a little bit more emphasis on it. But. That's just my thoughts on the matter. Guys, make sure you're checking in every once in a while to the OvertimeNetwork.com. I hope you enjoyed <coughs> excuse me, this podcast episode. As you can see, I am, or here, I am uh, sick. So I'm sorry you guys have had to listen to me sick. But when I looked around and saw how long you guys had waited for an episode, I thought, my goodness, you've got to get off daily sports betting overtime and get an episode out for other people in other podcasts. So that's what I'm doing. Guys, um, the high school scoreboard is up. For West Virginia sports. I had one gentleman ask. Where's volleyball? Well. It's a daily sports. So. If you wanted to see volleyball. It was last month. They've since already had their state tournament. And. There's not any going on today. So that's why you don't see it there. The point he was wanting to make was our girls' sports or minor sports 
on this particular scoreboard. Well, yes, they are. And it's by the app called Score Stream. You can download that app, have it on your phone, and if you want to update people, you want to post pictures, um, you can on that app. And there's a lot of different things you can do on it, such as print out banners or make social media posts and stuff like that that are pretty cool. I love it because in football season, you almost always have someone that will update it. And so you can see when somebody scores a touchdown or, you know, when a volleyball team gets on a roll or soccer team scores, whatever. I, however, personally love it in basketball because you can almost get real-time updates in it. So that's up on the OvertimeNetwork.com. Um, I hope to get a calendar of sporting events for national things such as golf as NFL football, as NBA basketball, and have a listing calendar type thing where you can click on a date and you can see what's going to be happening that day. I have not been able to get that together as of yet. Same thing with West Virginia High School Sports. I hope to be getting that up. Um, it will be different than if you go on the overtimenetwork.com and you see how I have the pro wrestling calendar up. It is just a list of December 1st, December 2nd, December 3rd, December 4th listed. Um, I'm hoping to do the national sports calendar a little differently. So we'll have to wait and see how that turns out. Um, hoping to write more articles and to do more podcast episodes in the future. Hoping. So you guys pray that I get over the sickness and I make the time in my day to do that, even if it's five minutes on the Dallas Cowboys versus the Los Angeles Raiders on Thanksgiving Day. So we'll... We'll see how that goes. Guys, um, I want to thank you, though, for hanging in to this experiment with me. I do truly appreciate it. Um, For those of you who are listening to this on National Sports Overtime, you can write me at nationalsportsot at gmail.com. For those of you listening to this on West Virginia Overtime, it's wvovertime at gmail.com. You guys can always write me. I am available. Not available 24-7, but pretty doggone close. Um, I hope to be a lot more active come December 1st. So I will talk to you guys soon, and hopefully I see you somewhere down the road.